Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of John. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail your questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blutville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're continuing our study in the Gospel according to John. We're in chapter 14. Allow us uh, to go back and review uh, the verses that lead up to this wonderful statement of Jesus. Well, actually, when we think about it, they're all wonderful statements, aren't they? And these are facts that are given to us, promises given to us from Jesus Christ himself. And so how could we not accept them as being wonderful? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled, we told you refers to Christ speaking to Peter, because there's no chapter break there in the original. Christ had told Peter in chapter 13, in the last verse there, that Peter would deny him three times before the rooster would crow in the morning. And so this is the Lord giving assurance to Peter, let not your heart be troubled. But quite honestly, it was a larger audience. It was for us as well and for all of the followers of Jesus Christ. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Heaven is a place. It is a place. And it's the eternal hope of everyone that has been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. God's Word describes heaven as a beautiful city where the redeemed, where the saints, where you and I, if we've placed our faith in Jesus Christ, will live for eternity. There will be no end to our time, and time is a word that's not used with eternity, but allow me to do that. There will be no end to our time in eternity in heaven. <laughs> the activities in heaven include singing. We find that in Revelation chapter 15, verse 3. Worship, Revelation 5, verse 9. Serving, Revelation 22, verse 3. Ruling, 2 Timothy 2.12 and Revelation 22.5. Fellowship with others, Matthew 17.3. And eating, Revelation uh, 2.17. So the quality of existence in heaven is a life of fellowship with God, uh, Revelation 22.4. A life of rest, Revelation 14.13. A life of service, Revelation 22.3. A life of growth, Revelation 22.2. And a life of worship, Revelation 19.1. One. 
The glories of heaven belong only to those who have personally trusted Christ Jesus for their salvation. Christians who work to win souls are gathering friends who will spend eternity with them in heaven. And we find that throughout God's word. He promised us in verse 3 of chapter 14, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Christ is saying, you don't know how it is, but you will be there with me. We don't have to understand everything to know the truth of God's word. Here is that verse 6 that I was talking about. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Let's think about the truth that God gives us. When the word truth is used in Scripture, it's used in at least two ways. True as contrasted with false, and genuine as contrasted with unreal. Now, both of those apply to God when we speak of the truth of God. Normally, his uh, genuineness is contrasted with false gods or other religions. The scriptures, in this sense, declare him as the only true God. When Elijah confronted the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, he challenged them to evaluate the genuineness of the Lord and the falsity of Baal. The true God answered by fire. And because the Lord is God, we're obligated to him in all his demands. Jesus Christ said, I am the truth. Well, he began by saying he was the way, so whether you know the way or not, you're going with me, I am the way. I'm also the truth. I am veracity. I am truth personified. And I am the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. No person has life other than in me. Now remember, this is the discourse. This is the teaching that Jesus is so intimately giving to his disciples, his apostles, in the upper chamber after the Passover meal. And then he continues, if you'd known me, you should have known my father also, and from henceforth you know him, and have seen him. Now here's the good question, Philip, listening intently. He said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Now wait a minute. Philip's been with him how long? He was one of the first ones called, you remember? Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. 
And how sayest thou, then showest the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Now you can believe me because I'm telling you the truth, Philip, or you can believe me because you've seen the miracles, the signs that I have been doing. But you must believe. Verse 12. Verily, verily, truthfully, truthfully, amen and amen, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Notice the promise for you and for me. We're going to do greater works, greater in quantity, certainly not in quality. Christ's ministry was primarily to Israel. Our ministry is to the entire world. He sent us to reach the outer limits of this world. And so we know that the works that Christ did could never be equaled by man, and yet we're doing a greater number of them and further out than he did because he stayed in Israel. He was come to the lost house of Israel. And so we see the attributes uh, of deity um, in the Son, Jesus the Christ. The very statement of, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, there in verse 9 of chapter 14, is a powerful statement. Everything that's true about God the Father Almighty is true of the Son. The doctrine of the Trinity, the triunity, the three-in-one uh, that we find throughout the New Testament is inscrutable, but it is also inescapable. It must be believed. And so here Christ continues, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. Now, he's talking about us doing greater works, that is, farther afield and, and in uh, more quantity than he's done. And how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to do it by doing these works, asking in prayer for Christ's assistance. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, is that a blanket promise? Yes and no. It is a blanket promise. If we are acting as his agent, not if we're acting on our own, not if we're being foolish, not if we're acting in uh, humanness and not in the spirit, but in the flesh, then the answer is no. 
if we're asking uh, for this to be done as an agent of Almighty God, Jesus Christ himself, then the answer is yes. So if we're asking in his name, we're asking as his agent. It's based on the disciple acting as the agent of Jesus Christ. It's linked, uh, especially in the accomplishment of the greater works. The promise is for unlimited resources to do the works of God. Not to do your own thing, but to do the works of God as his agent. And verse 15 sums it up. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now remember, the new commandment he gave us was to love one another, and they would know that we are Christians. They'll know we are followers of Jesus Christ by our love that we have one for another. That was just given to us uh, in a recent study. It's right here in the same passages. And now he finishes here with verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. We're talking here about the promise of the Holy Spirit, of God the Holy Spirit to come and live within us. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Now this is Christ speaking of one who's called alongside to help, or a parakletos. And we call that our advocate. And this is Christ being the advocate with the Father, uh, and the Holy Spirit is the believer's indwelling advocate to help in his uh, ignorance and his infirmities. That is, the believer's ignorance and infirmities. It's the Holy Spirit of God that helps us to make intercession with God Almighty. We are invited to come boldly, that is, with authority, before the throne of God. But we must have an advocate with the Father, and that one advocate is Christ Jesus the righteous. Then we also must have an ability to communicate to make that intercession. And through our infirmities, through our weaknesses as a human being, the Holy Spirit of God enables us to be not only understood, but to be received by God through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The idea of the comforter uh, is another comforter, because Christ himself is the comforter for us. And we're said here, Christ says here, that he will give you another comforter, and in the uh, King James, it is, it, it is capitalized with a, a capital C, comforter, meaning that is a name, one of the many names of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is another comforter. Christ is our primary comforter. And then now the uh, other comforter is the Holy Spirit of God. You see, the Father is also known as the God of all comfort. 
You find that in 2 Corinthians 1.3. Now remember the plight of the early Christians. They often had to suffer persecution. Much like the Christians in many parts of the world today, even sometimes within the confines of the United States. They have to suffer persecution, and they endured terrible persecution, and they found their comfort in the Holy Spirit. And when our trials come, ever be great or small, our comfort is found in the Holy Spirit. And he says, the Spirit of truth, he'll dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you, verse 18. Continuing, verse 19, Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. Now notice the promise tucked in there, and I think that that's so important for us to see it. Because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Now think about that. If we took hours to plumb the depths of that one statement, it would not be enough. If we took hours, because I live, ye shall live also. And at that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. We abide in Christ. This abiding in Christ is so wonderful, so majestic, so transcendent of this life, and so difficult for us as human beings to fathom, we can't fathom it, but we can accept it, and we can rejoice in it. To abide in Christ, on the one hand, is to have no known sin unjudged and unconfessed, no interest into which he's not brought, no life which he cannot share. On the other hand, the abiding one takes all the burdens to him. And Jesus Christ draws all wisdom, life, and strength from himself and gives it to us. He imparts it to us freely. It is not unceasing consciousness of these things and of him, but that nothing is allowed in the life which separates you or me from Jesus Christ. This is our communion, as it's spoken of in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, or our fellowship in 1 John 1 and 3. Because I live, ye shall live also, and at that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that keepeth, or he that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Issacharit, this was Jude, uh, we call him Jude, but anyway, Judas saith unto him, not Issacharit, Lord, 
How is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. What a wonderful promise from Christ himself, that the Holy Spirit would remind them of what Christ has taught them, so that they might be comforted, and that they might go forward doing the work that Christ has called them and you and me to do. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible Class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.